we invite you to sing with us. In the morning, Lord, we look to you for the strength we need just to make it through. Have mercy. Would you stand, please? In the morning, Lord, we look to you for the strength we need just to make it through. Have mercy. Sing that again in the morning. In the morning, Lord, we look to you for the strength we need just to make it through. Have mercy. In the evening, Lord, we look back and say it was in your strength that we made our way. Have mercy. You are everything we need. You are everything we need. In the morning, Lord, we look to you for the strength we need just to make it through. Have mercy. In the evening, Lord, we look back and say it was in your strength that we made our way. Have mercy. In the morning, in the morning, Lord, we look to you for the strength we need just to make it through. Have mercy. In the evening, Lord, we look back and say, it was in your strength that we made our way, have mercy. You are everything we need. You are everything we need. Feed us, Lord. You are everything we need. Feed us, Lord. Just our voices. You are everything we need. Feed us, Lord. You are everything we need. Feed us, Lord. So me totally changed by your presence forever. Every time I look into your eyes, I see a glimpse of one I always wanted to be. Let me be changed. Let me be changed in your presence. Sing that with us. I stand in awe. So amazed. I stand in awe. Stand in awe. So amazed. Totally changed by your presence forever. Every time I look into I always wanted to be. Let me be changed. Let me be changed in your presence. Let me be changed. Let me be changed. Let me be changed in your presence. Yeah. 
Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah, Lord of all. He became sin, who knew no sin, we might become his righteousness, he humbled himself and carry the cross. Love so amazing, love so amazing, Jesus Messiah, name of the body. Messiah, you are our Savior, you are our Lord. All of our hope is in you. We praise you and we thank you today. We bless you for all that you are and all that you have done. Praise God.
Amen. Amen. Please be seated. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark 10, 45. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the great sacrifice of your Son, so that we, who are totally unworthy, may live forever. Thank you, Lord, for saving us and forgiving us so many times in our daily lives, which we live with great thoughtlessness and pride. Thank you, Lord, for putting us in this beautiful country where we can worship you freely. Thank you for this church, its pastors, its people. It is our harbor. Father, we know that our sins have separated us from you, and we ask your forgiveness. We ask you to forgive our pride, our selfishness, and our complacency. And now, Father, each of us here asks you privately and silently to forgive our personal sins. We cast these burdens at your feet, Lord, and we beg you to forgive us in the name of your precious Son, Jesus. Lord, we bring before you today Jack Harper. He and his wife, Fran, humble and loving people, as you know, were longtime members of Richview. Jack is now in palliative care, and we ask for comfort for him, Lord, and for his family as they struggle to say goodbye. Lord, we know you used Jack and Fran as missionaries around the world and right here to spread your word and be godly examples to us of how to serve. We ask you, Heavenly Father, to give them strength and grace, Lord, as they must now drink this cup. We pray, Lord, for those in our community who are sick, grieving, or alone. We pray for those who have financial problems and for those who need employment. We pray for our relationships, Lord, that they would be healthy and God-honoring. And we ask all of these things in the powerful name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Mark 11, 24. I'm going to invite the ushers, please, to come forward at this time. And let's pray. Father, all that we have is from you, and we just recognize right now that our life and our breath, our very being, are all because of you. And whatever income we have, whatever worldly goods we have, they're because of you as well. And so now, as an act of worship, we give back to you a portion of what you've given to us. As you lead each of us in our own hearts, in our own circumstances, God, help us to be obedient to you and to give what you ask. Please take these gifts, bless them, multiply them, use them for the furtherance of your kingdom in this part of Toronto and around the world. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can remain seated while we sing these next songs. No other name but Jesus is worthy of our praise. No other name on earth is worthy no other name in heaven above, no other name is sung in glory, but 
Jesus, God's redeeming Sing that again. Son. No other. No other name on earth is worthy. No other name in heaven above. No other name is sung in glory. But Jesus, God's redeeming Son. No other name will die for me. No other name could cleanse my sin. No other name could set me free. Jesus, your name will have no end. No other name on earth is worthy. No other name on earth is worthy. No other name in heaven above. No other Jesus God's redeeming son No other name will die for me No other name could cleanse my sin No other name could set me free Jesus your name will have no end No other name would die for me No other name could cleanse no other name could set me free. Jesus, your name will have no end. Jesus, your name will have no end. Jesus, your name will have no end. Jesus' name above all names. Beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God with us, blessed Redeemer, living Word. Sing about the name and the names of Jesus. Let's sing. Jesus' name above all names. Jesus, would you stand again? Name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord. again. Jesus, name above all. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer, one last time, just our voices, please. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you for your singing. Good morning. Let's start with this passage from Mark chapter 9, verse 42. What a pleasant way to start Sunday morning. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet 
and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Good morning! <laughs> Welcome to Richview! If you're new here, yes! We, are, we, uh, we take the Bible literally around here. So what's brilliant about this passage is Jesus is in the only place in the whole region of Israel that makes millstones when he's telling this story. And we got a nice millstone up here. And I don't even think Jesus said those words here. I think he just pointed at the thing. But the author had to write it down so we knew what he was pointing at. And when you hear these words, they're hard words, aren't they? If you lead a child astray, better to tie a millstone around your neck and go jump in the lake. And then you read some of this other stuff here. And any of you ever wonder if anyone actually did this? So I thought we'd do like, let's do Rich View dress-up day. And so here's a kind of an idea that if you were to take that literally, you would lose your eye, your hand, and your leg. Isn't that just a comforting sight? (laughs) I read a passage like this, and it makes me never want to get into early childhood education (laughs) or be a Sunday school or elementary school teacher. And you read these passages, and sometimes Jesus says these things, and you're like, what the? Like, what is he? What on earth? And we're doing this series, and we're finishing this series. Not that we ever finished the series on Jesus, but we've been looking at the real Jesus and how when you understand him better and what he says, it can make such a difference in your lives. And if you've ever taken time to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, even a bit of them, you get this picture of this guy who says some pretty hard things. And we've been working through Mark here. And I want to take, you can follow along in your notes or on the screen here. We're going to go to Mark chapter 3, the t- to today's passage, where he shares something that for many people has given them anxiety and horror and despair over the last few centuries. So before we get into it, why don't I pray? Pray for protection and pray for deliverance and pray that God's word would speak to our hearts. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this opportunity. I want to thank you for this opportunity to come together in the freedom that we have. I bless you, God, and I bless you for your word and these words that we've had and have been transmitted and, and brought to us 2,000 years later. And these words are still real and active and living. These are hard words today. And as we read them today, God, I pray we not, would not feel more burdened down. We wouldn't feel like there's been a millstone tied around our neck. But instead, God, I pray for every man, woman, young adult, senior, what have you in this place today who is in need of deliverance. I pray that you would lighten the yoke on them, that you would free them and release them from that bondage of sin that is just weighing them down, that you would just cleanse them internally, that you would give them a power washing on the inside, that you would free them from any anxiety, any depression, any fears, any loneliness, any just habits that are weighing them down. May they just experience that freedom and that eternal freedom that's only possible through you, Jesus, today. Lighten our load, we pray, God, in your holy name. Amen. Mark chapter 3, verse 22. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebub. By the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. 
And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. <coughs> Sorry, I had something in my throat there. They are guilty of an eternal sin. And he said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. This is dynamite. I remember, especially early on as a parent, this is a great passage for when the kids are misbehaving in the back seat. And they won't quiet down and they won't, st they won't stay out of each other's space. Hey, kids, if you're not careful, you're going to commit the unpardonable sin. And then they just quiet down. Works every time, parents. Make a note of it. Uh, it's a good one I think I'm going to start using on Sunday mornings for anyone who comes late. You may today have transgressed the unpardonable sin. Set your watch an hour earlier next week. All right? Yeah? What do you think? Good idea? Look, this is dynamite stuff, this, this passage, this saying. It's interesting, even in Jewish thought, they see blasphemy of the Holy Spirit whenever you take God's name in vain. Some of you are in trouble. I was out in the foyer earlier. I'm just kidding. But, but these are hard words. We'll never be forgiven. We'll never be forgiven. We'll never be forgiven. Who said that? Jesus? Cuddly, hold a sheep in his arm, child on the other arm. Jesus? That, does that sound like the real Jesus you know? These are hard words, and it kind of looks like I'm out of time this week, so I'll just let you wrestle with this text for the rest of the week. I'm, we'll keep going here. What do we do with these hard words? And if you ever read the Gospels, the life of Jesus, the real hard sayings of Jesus, and I hope you learn this over the course of this series, they're always, his words are always consistent with his nature. And when we come across hard words, difficult words that don't seem to fit, like puzzle pieces that don't fit in a puzzle, We've got to look at them. We've got to dig down. We've got to look at the culture, the context, the grammar. Maybe something got lost in translation. But if you ever start reading through the Gospels, you come across fairly consistent other verses that are troubling. Like this one in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. It says this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins... Your father will not forgive you. Well, there's another one here in John chapter 20, verse 23. It says this, If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And you start coming across these passages, and all of a sudden these starts, thoughts start to creep in your mind. And they do for me. Maybe they don't for you, but it's like, you know, what if somebody stubs my toe, and then I curse at them, and then I get hit by a bus? Where will I go? I mean, do you ever think that way? Especially when you hear about the unpardonable sin. What if I've committed it? What if I did it? What if jaywalking last week, you know, maybe, you know, just kind of just was the tipping point. And you read these passages and God's like saying never. And whenever God says never, he must mean never. And God is never neutral to sin. He either forgives it or he punishes. This one scholar by the name of William Lane, he says this, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit forever removes a man, a woman, beyond the sphere in which forgiveness is possible. Blasphemy was an expression of defiant hostility toward God, the profaning of his name. This is the danger to which the scribes exposed themselves when they attributed to the agency of Satan the redemption brought by Jesus. In these verse, this verse, the unpardonable sin, it has brought anxiety and fear and dread to religious people for centuries. So what is it? 
Can I show you a good physical example of what it is, a good visual? Is that okay? All right, this one isn't too scary. Can I get the lights down? Darkness! It's darkness! That man is of Satan! It's not light, it's darkness! Put the lights back on. That's what Jesus is talking about. I can't see right now, by the way, but... But anybody, and he's talking here, anybody who's on this, on this train that's leading to taking light, taking what's good, taking what's the gospel, taking what is Jesus, and calling it the opposite, is on the path to committing the unpardonable sin. And that's exactly what he's gaining across here, is these guys, these religious leaders, are taking what's light and calling it darkness. They're taking what's beautiful and truthful and real, and they're saying it's wrong, it's evil, it's, it's, it's ugly, it's not holy, and they're disrupting and turning everyone away from, from Christ. And so when we come to these passages that are difficult to read, they're difficult to hear, the big thing we need to do is we need to look at the verses around it. And so we have the context here as these religious leaders. And this is not one time, one, a one-time slip-up, as you've been seeing as we've been working through Mark. These guys are so intentional, and they're adamant. This is not just some one-time faux pas. They're deliberately over and over and over again saying, and persistently saying, it's darkness. That light is darkness. That man is of Satan, and they're doing everything they can to declare what God is doing through the life of Jesus is wrong. And Jesus says, and warns them they're well on their way to committing the unpardonable sin, if they have not already. I would say it's still possible to commit that sin here today, but I would also say it's a little bit more difficult. And the only reason I say that is I think it was more likely when Jesus was walking on the earth that you would have been able to commit that sin when his flesh and blood was there, but it does not rule out happening today. And you put it all together, it's these people who have these hardened hearts who call evil good. And the Bible says that if we go down that road, it leads to no hope and there's no return. And what's Jesus trying to get across here? Sin is very serious and it needs to be serious to us. And it was said so well earlier today in the prayer, but if any of you, or hanging on to sin and thinking you can deal with it on your own. You need to give it over to God. You can't do it on your own. Now, the problem with this passage, and how many of you have heard of the unpardonable sin before? Most of us, right? But probably not the rest of the passage. And the problem with this passage is all we, and we tend to do this with Scripture, is we tend to focus on all the really good negative news lines. We kind of miss out on the really good stuff or maybe the more important stuff. And the more important stuff happens in the verses before this. And then Jesus does some brilliant things here. First of all, he gives an unanswerable question. And he starts to discuss with these religious leaders. And he says, how can Satan drive out Satan? And so Jesus speaks to the devil as a real being in the, in the universe. So if Jesus says the devil is real and Jesus takes the devil seriously, I'm going to take the devil seriously. I don't know about you. And he gives three illustrations, and he says this. If a kingdom is divided against itself, itself that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. And when you get kind of confused when he's telling these stories sometimes, but he's basically saying... 
a kingdom built against itself, a household built against itself, and Satan built against himself, it, it, it won't work. It's a moral impossibility. It's illogical. It's unthinkable. And I love this, especially for those of us who like to logically argue things. Jesus is making the point. It's illo- illogical and absurd to not believe. You don't have to check your brain at the door to be a follower of Jesus. And then the best part of the passage comes and we all miss it because we jump ahead to the unpardonable sin. And we miss the best part of the passage. And I love how C.S. Lewis captures it in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And if you've ever read the books, he was this brilliant philosopher who could take complex things and explain them to kids. So he wrote these kids' books. And in this story, there's these four children who get taken to this other world. And when they're in that world, it's winter everywhere because the white witch rules and she's made it winter for over a hundred years and the phrase is it's always been winter and no christmas and so these these four children come into this world and it's this winter and the white witch is ruling and she's on her throne and she's ruling and these children come and the white witch finds out about them and so she's chasing after them and i just want to show you a quick clip from the video I hope you've all been good, because there's someone here to see ya. <laughs> Merry Christmas, sir. Certainly is, Lucy. Since you have arrived. Look, I've put up with a lot since I got here. But this... We thought you were the witch. Yes. yes I'm sorry about that, but uh, in my defense, I have been driving one of these longer than the witch. I thought there was no Christmas in Narnia. No. Not for a long time. But the hope that you have brought your majesties is finally starting to weaken the witch's power. It's such a Canadian clip because of the beavers, so I thought it was appropriate to share. Very Canadian. I love that picture because spring is coming. Don't get caught up on Santa Claus there in the, in the story, but spring is coming. The white witch, her power starting to fail. And I love how C.S. Lewis captures that in his book, in his movie, and I love how Jesus says it and we miss it. He says it like this in verse 27. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite deep thoughts is this. Next one. It takes a big man to cry, but it takes an even bigger man to laugh at that man. I try, but I understand you don't get Eastern European humor, but that's fine. But I love this picture that Jesus is giving us here in the scriptures is Satan is the strong man, but there's a stronger than a strong man coming, and he's come. And the long reign of the strong man is over. The long reign of the white witch is over. It's coming to an end. And we, and we see this as we've been working through the first couple chapters of Mark. Right there at the very beginning, we get hammered with it. There's this long history of demon possession. And this guy named Jesus comes on the scene, and demon possession is coming, coming to an end. Paralyzed people are walking. Crippleds are being healed. People are being delivered. They're being set free. Because the stronger than the strong is here. Spring has arrived. I mean, would you agree? Spring is here. And along then comes verse 28. And I'm glad it comes before verse 29 because this is one of the greatest statements in all of Scripture. And almost every one of us is going to leave here today guilty if we admit it that we've always missed it. And it's one of the most important verses in all of Scripture. And Jesus uses a word, he's never used it before in Mark. He's the only person who ever uses it in the Bible. 
He's the only one who uses it in the Gospels. You can't even find anyone else in all of Jewish literature, ancient Jewish literature, who ever uses this word. But he says this, Truly I say to you, and truly is a translation of the Greek word, Amen. Or in Hebrew, Amen. We've really dulled this one down over the years. I think that's our Canadian politeness that's really dulled this one down. Anyone know that, what amen means? I agree. So let it be. I agree. Not very biblical, though. The biblical connotation, what it really means right back at his, in the way Jesus meant it, and he said it with a lot more chutzpah, is this. I swear by God. This is true. And, and so he, he makes up a new word here. And he says this. And it occurs 12 times in Mark's gospel. And, and he says it right here. And it has this incredible strength to it. And he, he like introduces a whole brand new manner of speaking. And, and his words are true. They're complete. They're unique. And it comes from him. And, and he's the one. He's the very witness of God. He's the real deal. He's the real Jesus. And for any of you here today, and you got anxiety, and you got worry, and you're confused, and you're disoriented, and you're overwhelmed, and you're in bondage, and you're isolated, and you're feeling purposeless and lost, hear and see the real Jesus right now. I love how one translation says it in verse 28. All the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven. All the sins and blasphemy of humanity will be forgiven. And so he points out that God is a God of grace and mercy and a forgiver of sins, and all sins can be forgiven, even the blasphemies of the blasphemies. All sinners can find forgiveness in God if they come to him. Pardon me? I mean, the next verse is what? The unpardonable sin. I mean, what's the deal with that? He says this, and then the very next verse is, except this one. And here's the deal here. For those of us who don't know Jesus... We need to fear blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But for those of us who do know Jesus, you can't commit this sin. Hey, if you're troubled and you feel like, hey, I think I committed this sin, one of the marks that you haven't committed this sin is that you're concerned. You wouldn't be concerned if you had done it. You would have willingly and diligently said to that light, the light is darkness. This unpardonable sin passage, um, if it should do anything to you and me, it should help us run with our arms wide open to the real Jesus. Rejoicing and embracing free forgiveness that he makes possible through his death, through his burial, through burial, through his resurrection. We have been pardoned. I just want to invite the band up right now. And I just want to wrap up by reading a couple verses to you, very well-known stories. But I need you to interact with me, so I'm going to ask you some questions. So you're going to have to think for a second. Here goes the first one. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep, and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me! I have found my lost sheep. What did the sheep do? Got lost. Did it do anything else? No. Who did all the work? Shepherd. Let me read you another one. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she let a lamp sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me! I have found my lost coin. 
In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. What did the coin do? It got lost. <laughs> who did the work? Woman. One to go. Bit longer, but bear with me. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. By the way, that would have been said, Dad, die. I want my inheritance. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to feed his, fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to a census, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now, what did the son do? Got lost. And, and don't be fooled. The only reason he came home was because he didn't have any other better options. His plan had backfired completely. And, and in this story, we sometimes miss the cultural significance. It was completely, completely, completely disgraceful for an older patriarch, a father, to run. He would have just hurt the family's reputation in the community by running out to a son and embracing him. And, and secondly in the story, any son who would have treated his father the way that son had treated his would have been stoned by the community for the dis disrespect he had shown him. So i got a couple questions for you. Who is the shepherd? I gave you three stories, so you're going to have to think back here with me. Who is the shepherd? Jesus, okay. Who is the woman? Who is the father? Jesus. Okay, so let's flip it now. Let's see if you're all listening. Now, who became the lost sheep? Nope. Now, who became the lost coin? Nope. Now, who became the younger son? See, it's so easy to miss the real Jesus, isn't it? So easy. Don't feel bad, though, because the disciples missed it, too. Here's the gospel. And if you've never heard this good news, it can foolproof you from the unpardonable sin. It can give you an eternal, everlasting home in heaven. It can give you, most importantly, the greatest eternal, life-transforming relationship you can ever have with the personal God. How do you overcome the strong man? How do you overcome Satan? How did Jesus overcome Satan? See, Jesus didn't overcome the strong man and defeat sin with mighty power, did he? He did it through weakness and as a servant. See, in those stories, Jesus became the ultimate separated lost sheep. Jesus became that, the really, really lost coin. And Jesus became the younger son who the father forsook. 
And he did that for each and every one of you here today so that you could be pardoned and so that you could have a relationship eternally with the creator God so that you would never ever look in your rearview mirror and wonder by something you had said or done that day would get you kicked out. Have you met the real Jesus? Because in all those stories and in our lives, he's constantly pursuing you. He does the work. And he wants to pardon you today. Will you pray with me? God, as we just close our eyes for privacy and for concentration, God, right now in this moment, as we've looked at your word, and it's been intense words today and hard words and difficult words, I pray, God, that we would be mesmerized, we'd be transformed, we would be saturated by you, by your spirit, and by your words. May we just recognize, maybe here for the first time, be reminded, be refreshed, be restored um, to, your, to your unconditional love and the essence of your being. And we be, may we be more and more caught up with you and what it means to follow you. Thank you for that love. Thank you for pardoning every one of us. Thank you for defeating the strong man in a way that we could never understand. And it wasn't through force, but it was by becoming a sacrificial servant, living the life we should have lived and dying the death we should have died. And God, I pray for anyone here today who is in need of healing, restoration, deliverance, a relationship with you, a guarantee that they will never, ever, ever from this day forward be concerned about the unpardonable sin. Your scriptures tell us in John three sixteen that you love the world so much, you love every one of us here so much, and that you, you sent Jesus to earth, and that if we believe in him, we'll have eternal life. We'll have that everlasting relationship with you. And God, I pray for anyone here who has not made that decision, not truly seen or heard or been, re been renewed by the gospel. I pray, God, today that those words, they would be saturated in those words. They would say those words. They would mean those words. And your life would be transformed forevermore. And they would be given that everlasting pardon that only you, Jesus, can provide.